talk this morning about the desires of the heart but I want to start with a question just asking you what if we're on the verge of the greatest move of God the world has ever seen now I've taught that I've believed it for years because I see it in the old prophetic writings that there's something beyond the book of Acts and I've been guilty and I know a lot of other leaders that have been guilty of pointing back to the book of Acts to try to identify what we want to see and what we want to happen. But every time I do that, it seems like just a short time after, whether it's hours later or whatever, you can ask Chelsea, I've got this thing that after the service I go and I, I re-engage with God and I, I start going over what happened and, and how we could get there again or how we could avoid getting there again. And I, I work that thing. It's just part of who I am. And I've always seen that very shortly after referring to the book of Acts as, as an objective that God is faithful to say, oh, I want to do more than that. I, I want to bring that to a higher level. I, I want something to happen. And um, Proverbs chapter 22 through 23, verse 22, 29 through 23, 3 says this. Do you see a man skilled in his work? He'll stand before kings. He will not stand before obscure men. When you sit down to dine with a ruler, consider carefully what is before you and put a knife to your throat. And we know this is illustrative. We're not to sit around with a knife at our own throat. But he said, put a knife to your throat if you're a man of great appetite. <laughs> Do not desire his delicacies, for it is deceptive food. And it's important that we understand the opportunities that are being placed before us, that God's going to bring us in the presence of people. Uh, there's some, I again have every intention, we've got a process we're going through here of bringing people in, and we want to bring Lynn Middleton by someday. Through the process of life, this man has been brought before kings in Africa. Literally, those that are recognized as kings. And and it's no, it's no accident. God is bringing us into context that is beyond what we would even think. And it's important to understand those opportunities. But he's warning us here now, when this begins to happen, what's your own appetite? Don't look at what the king has and think that's what God wants for you. Look at it and see that might be the blessing of God for him to get him in that position. But that's not why I'm here. I'm here to talk about the deeper things of God. I'm here to provoke Him and to move Him forward and to, to say what God has done in my heart and God will use that not to have what they have. We need to be careful because we're moving ahead into some things that, that is, is, can be very heady for normal people if you're not careful. Now, I've often thought, and Sandra would be the last to acknowledge this, but I've often thought how God has brought her before leaders of the community. There's no accident in that. God has brought her before leaders in the community for a reason. He, he brings us, if we believe that a good man or a good woman's steps are ordered by God, then we have to live that way. But we're to watch our own appetites and know that that's not the way I'm supposed to live. That's, that I, 
There's things that God requires of me that I cannot require of you. There's things that God puts in your life as a blessing that I can't look at and say, well, I should have that. I have a walk with God. He requires things of me. And, and, you know, but you know why He does? is because I've asked Him to. Show me your ways, God. Show me what it takes. Because God, God I, want to be, I don't want to be remembered as, as somebody that, that stayed in a revival meeting all of his life. But I want to be known as a man that you get in connection with me, God is going to show up. And I don't like that term, but you're going to see a manifestation. You're going to feel a manifestation of God. I want to live like that. And to live like that, I can't live like this. It's just real, it's real simple deduction. Now, another question. What if we're already in it and have just misunderstood? Let it sink in a moment. Because for me, this is very sobering. People, the, the prophets talked about a time coming when people would notice our authority. They would notice our power. They would notice the unusual presence. And the, the writer said that they would come, up, come from afar to ask, who's your God? Now, in the recording of Scripture, they could only put, you know, just in interest of space, they put the one question, who's your God? But what if that question sounds more like, who do you think you are? Well, what if that question sounds more like, who does God think He is? I'm telling you, from the culture around us in this United States, those are the questions that's coming forth now. As Christians, who do you think you are? Got a good idea who I am, and I'm learning more every day. You want to know? Ask that question. Who does your God think He is? Oh, He don't think. He's God. That's who He is. Oh, you believe in Him? Yes, you don't. You know, it's time we began to stand up as Christians and not be, not be obnoxious and not be those people that everybody hates to be around, but people that walk in understanding authority and power has been given. We're not looking for it. It's been given. Jesus said, just as my Father sent me, I'm going to send you. And boy, that's big. But now the enemy knows the power of God, the authority of God, and he trembles at the very thought. Let that, let, I want you to get this, that, that the enemy knows and trembles. But most Christians never allow themselves to think of God delighting in them like joy so effectively ministered last week. Of, of, of God just liking you. Um, over the past few years, and here's where I become very sober in thinking about this, is there's something happened in, in Brownsville, Florida that was more than, more than the church had ever seen. And I found myself trying to itemize scripturally to see if it was God. And now I look at it and I say, how dare you do that? It was so obviously God. But yet I tried to define it by little happenstance. And I'll tell you, if we have the wind of God sweep through here and manifest in a specific way in this house, 
there will be a very varied amount or varied ways of acting and reacting when that happens. You say, well, I would never act like that. That's probably right. You probably wouldn't even feel it because you've so removed yourself from what God is doing. Come on. Let it sink in. I've been guilty of calling it dignity and it's nothing but spiritual pride. Just throwing that out there. Toronto in Ontario, Canada. An amazing move of God. Still happening in various places. Uh, Medellin, Colombia. The whole, the whole surface of the city has changed. Not because they killed Pablo Escobar, but because God started to move. <laughs> and when he was running, there was somebody pursuing. That's all it was. <laughs> but you read on the underside and you read about the people that walked through those neighborhoods praying. You, you read about people. That <laughs> they wouldn't give up. And now read about the church there. It, it can't be contained. It's growing to the fact they can't even tell you how many, number, how many churches in that area in numbers because it's just growing so fast that this week it might be this number. Next week it's triple that. All around that area. We want to focus in our news stories about, about the drug business. That's, that's not even a story down there when you begin to look at what God is doing. Something amazing is happening. And, you know, us in our... In our uh, activities of the Sanhedrin, we we got to we got to measure it all and and decide whether or not it's God. Well, yes, it's God. What about in Nigeria? We, I met a young man recently. He's not yet thirty, and when when I met him, he told me I, I want to talk to you. He said I've just started a church, and and he said it's, it's just two years old, and and I haven't been serving God very long. And he said we're we're small. We're only running two thousand people. And I'm thinking, man, I need to talk to you all right, but not to instruct you. I need to hear about your God. And later in a conversation, I'll tell you something he said. I, I want to make sure everybody gets mad before this message is over. <laughs> he said, I don't understand what I see in the United States. He said, people yell and scream and paint their faces and do all kinds of things at ball games. But they sit quietly in the presence of their God and never respond. Conviction. Conviction. And we've stood as the Sanhedrin saying, you know, the Sanhedrin in Jesus' day was this group of, they were a little bit of both, and they measured everything that was said, everything that was done, and decided whether or not it was scriptural. And so everything that was happening when Jesus was walking the earth, they, they measured it. Is this that? Is this that which the prophets prophesied? And, and as a result, they had nothing. Go read it in your own time. In Joel chapter 2, it talks about sons and daughters prophesying. It talks about old men dreaming dreams. It talks about wonders in the heaven. It talks about restored fortunes. It talks about the gathering of nations. It talks about all that stuff. But in Acts 2, when the wind of God began to blow, something began to happen. A fire, something that could only be described as fire, began to touch people and they began to speak differently and to live differently. And Peter stood up and said this is that 
It didn't list all the stuff because it wasn't yet happening. But Peter was acknowledging this is the middle of the story. And I want you to understand that about Acts chapter 2. The beginning of the story happened back in creation when God began to breathe forth His breath (coughs) and to bring life into mankind. The middle of the story was Acts chapter 2 when the activity picked up a little bit. We're living the end of the story. And it's not about the beginning. It's not about Acts chapter 2. It's about that wind that's blowing and we need to catch it. And when we sense it, we need to stand up and say, this is that. This is what God said it was going to be. This is something, no, 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 I can't see it. I can't identify it. I can't spend all my time wrapping my thoughts around it. But this is something beyond the normal, beyond the natural. It's certainly not darkness because people come out of it loving Jesus. This is that. This is that which the prophets talked about. This is, this is that which causes the demons to tremble. This is something we've been guilty of continuing to think out from our fallen nature and not embracing our adopted nature. Because I want you to look around you and, and think this. This is the family and the household of God. This is. It's not what's coming. This is. Hear me, this is. And around His throne are gathered people from every nation, every tribe, and every tongue. And they're there for one reason. They're gathered around the the, uh, manifestation of His authority for one reason. To glorify Him and to magnify Him so that change might come into their, their position, their circle of influence, into the earth where they live. It's amazing the revelation that begins to come when you read Revelation as revelation. It's the revelation of Jesus Christ, not not some kind of a a blow-by-blow thing of end times. It's the way Christ works among the church. (laughs) You see, God truly wants to be a father to you and to enter into a relationship with you. And again, I'm going to refer back to what Joy had to say last week. Look it up online if if you haven't heard it. Father is willing to be impacted by you. By your thoughts. By your activity. Can you imagine the Father of the universe being delighted with you? It's kind of, kind of what He says that happens. He, you can never impact your world until you realize that He is impacted by you. That's not pride. That's not self-esteem. That's wonder of wonders. That's an awesome thought that the God of the universe is somehow able to focus on you and me and us together. And He wants to draw you into His nature. You see, Father does the supernatural because that's who He is. But what is super to us, it's just His life. It's His world. It's His, it's his nature. It's, his, it's, it's, his, it's natural for Him. And He wants to draw us into that to where impacting your world from the realm of the Spirit is just natural for you. It's just the way you live. It's the way you are. And He wants to draw you in. Now remember that one of the writers qualified everything he was writing, but he's saying, now remember the whole world is in the power of the evil one. 
The whole order was given over when, when Adam began to take a, partake of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. That, that whole thing was taken over. So the whole world is in the power of the evil one and it's designed to draw us into that because that's the only hope that darkness has. It can never express itself outside of drawing you into its way of thinking. And that's the only reason that the order in our nation has been, has been so subverted to, to the effects of evil and, and the causes of the unrighteous. It's because as Christians, we've allowed ourselves to be drawn into that thinking. And that's thinking totally outside of God. Now, I want the, Psalm, the 21st Psalm, verse 2. You have given him his heart's desire, and you have not withheld the request of his lips. Let that sink in for a moment. It says thou, but I read it you because I, that helps me. God, you, have given him his heart's desire. And God has not withheld the request of his lips. Now I want you to consider this word desire for a moment. It's two parts. And what, the way we deal with it is, is the process of the word, not the actual word. The first part is D, which means of. And the second part is sire. Of the sire. <laughs> Think about it. I'm telling you, get that. The sire is the one with the power and authority to make things happen and who brings forth as a product of passion or a product of love. He gives you that which is of the sire. It's in your heart. And he won't withhold the request of his lips when you begin to understand that. Uh, you do have a passion for God. If you didn't, you wouldn't be here. You know, we've often been taught all the negative and I've been as guilty as anybody else to see the Scripture in a negative light. But for instance, when Jesus says, they will know you by your love one for another. Don't we take that so accusing and so negative sometimes? We think about all those people we don't love and why people can't know them through us. Maybe you don't think that way, but I, th I think I've been around humans long enough to know that most of us think that way. But what if that wasn't what Jesus intended at all? What if he was saying, as you become a part of me, you're going to love one another. It's going to happen, and people are going to know you because you do. What if, what if he's telling us, I can take you out of all of your elitism, that, that thing of thinking we have this and they don't. What, what if I can take you all out of that and you begin to see the possibilities in the people around you? You begin to get the idea that it's not on the outward appearance that God is looking, but He's looking on the heart and He's saying people are going to know you as you love one another as you begin to live your life for one reason and one reason only, and that is so the person next to you can be all they can be. If you begin to live like that, guess what? You will have tremendous self-worth because you'll see yourself as instrumental in helping other people and hearing your God. And you'll have no self-esteem at all because you'll realize you're part of a whole. It makes, it, it, 
it kind of jars your thinking, but if you did not want God, you would not be measuring whether or not you have God. There would only be a mockery of the idea of God. Because that's human nature. Now think about this. How would your life change if you worked to bring your thoughts back to the possibilities in God every time? That you began to realize, hey, I can do this. I can bring my thoughts back. Paul talks about it, don't he? he it, Paul actually says, if you want spiritual warfare, this is what it is. Taking your thoughts captive. Taking your thoughts captive and bringing them into subjection to what you know about Christ. That's what it is. I'll tell you what, this will break a habit in pornography. It'll break anger. It'll break uh, the, that idea that you have no value. It'll break it all. Because you will begin to realize that God wants you to think on a different level. Now, Isaiah 55, 8 and 9. For my thoughts are not your thoughts, neither are your ways my ways, declares the Lord. For as the heavens are bigger than the earth, so are my ways higher than your ways, and my thoughts are your thoughts. But yet, our fallen thoughts accuse us of not thinking of God if we're not quoting Scripture, if we're not praying according to the list. You see, Paul wrote, you have the mind of Christ now in you. You have the mind of Christ now in you. I would challenge you this morning to look at prayer differently. Anybody have trouble with your mind when you're praying? You think, oh, my mind just keeps wandering off. I've got to bring it back. My mind keeps wandering off. I've got to bring it back. You have trouble with that? What if that's him? You say, well, my thought, what if that's him? What if you've gotten into a place where what you were going to pray is not what's on his mind and he's taking you, all of a sudden you're, you're thinking about your daughter in school. You're thinking about Albert in the military. And you're trying to bring your thought, I haven't prayed the list. I haven't quoted the, I haven't quoted the quotes. I haven't, I haven't done this. I haven't done that. And all the time he's trying to get you. He, he, you think his mind might move quickly? You think his mind might be on the move all the time? You think he might know that if you pray that that releases the hand of God in that situation and you can move on? And when you think you've got to wrestle it back, he's saying, come on, stay with me now. We're going to get through some things here. We're going to, we're going to turn loose the, the presence that we're going to work that previous activity of prayer and we're going to do some things. And all of a sudden you're engaged in possibilities you never thought of because you were starting just having to get by it. Get it over with. And he's saying, no, let's, let's engage. Let's do this. You have the mind of Christ now in you. Different thinking, isn't it? You think he might want you to dream of living differently? Over the last few months, when I have opportunity to get with Betty, I've been, I've been just challenging her. Betty, feel the feeling of what it would be to be well. <laughs> it's hard to do when you're hurting, but God will help you. Begin to live as much as you can in the idea of wellness. And you know what? She's doing it. But what if, what if God wanted to lead you into what it would feel like to have your needs met, period? What if He wanted to lead you in to ways of righteousness for His name's sake, into ways everlasting? How's He going to do it? 
If He doesn't do it in your faculty to dream big dreams and to think big things and to get away from dreaming of, of having this big house on the beach and, and having this certain car to get to it or this certain aircraft to get to it. If that's all you're going to engage in, how's He ever going to get to it? What would it look like for you to be so ultimately blessed by God? Does that look like having a saved spouse? What would it be like if you're spouse was going a hundred percent for God and sitting beside you in this service and absorbing this just like just like you were absorbing it what would that feel like when we're worshiping and and you've been praying all week about your lost children what would it be like if they were worshiping beside you You think God might lead you there and let you live in that just a little bit while you're praying and let the glory, the thankfulness, the worship come forth? I'm telling you, God's been been challenging me in ways. There's places that I have to go and things I have to do. that, And and He's been challenging me to live in those things and and, and to see, see it and see what's happening before the fact and to let Him be working previous. And I realized that back when I was traveling and doing that kind of stuff all the time, that I did that and, and I've kind of gotten away from it because I'm so engaged in the moment here and how we're developing to get there. But folks, we need to let Him take us from here into the next moment and don't try to put your faith in that, but live in it for a little bit and that way in whatever situation you're in here, you can worship in that. Why? Because there's something coming. There's something coming. It's not just this. It's not just sit here until we die. I didn't look it up, but there was a place in the Old Testament where there were some lepers that were outside the city and and they were waiting and waiting and waiting. And and finally one of them said, why do we sit here until we die? If we die, let's die in the city. And they went in the city and it was open to them. There were no warriors in there. Nobody to kill them. It was open to them. Why do we sit here until we die? Why don't we just get up and start moving and let God move us in prayer and let God talk to us about prayer and let God talk to us about coming together corporately to pray and to to begin to live in something that is just as real in the kingdom of God as this present moment. You see, we have this idea that we pray away from Christ trying to get Him to come into our situation. And really, if we really engage, we're praying out from the Christ that is in us. And oh, I'm telling you, that'll change your world. That'll change your world. Peter said, this is that which was prophesied. And I'm telling you, church, that wind is still blowing. We're not looking back to Acts chapter 2 saying, oh God, let that wind blow again. It's still blowing. It's still moving. There's still fire that does not consume that begins to sit on those that will allow themselves to be that way. And there's an ability to speak forth from the breath of God that's in us. We just need to engage. We, uh, I'm talking about charismatic uh, Pentecostal believers or leaders now, but we will argue that it's for today. It's not just for Acts. But we live like it was just for Acts. We, we live like we've got to wait for it to come again. We live like we're not aware that it's alive in us. And that, Lord have mercy, He's entrusted us, He's entrusted us with it. 
Oh, man, He's entrusted you with that. Saying, if, 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 I, if I put it in them, eventually we'll get things in, in situated where I can flow forth from them and they can represent Christ in the earth. What a concept. John chapter 7, verses 37 and 38. If any man is thirsty, let him come, <clears throat> come to me and drink. He who believes in me, as the Scripture has said, from his innermost being shall flow rivers of living water out of that communication with God. Not the rote and the ritual and the, and the uh, repetitiveness, vain repetition of prayer that we have called prayer. Not out of that, but from communicating with Him. From listening, 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 learning His presence, learning, learning His voice, learning how to act and react in that. There can be a constant flow. There will be an actual current that flows forth from you that will touch Everybody. Now, Ezekiel, I believe it is, said where that river flows, there will be life. Wherever it flows, whatever it touches, along the banks of that river, there will be life. Um, I, just, I, don't, I can't emphasize enough that I'm not talking about the ugliness of ritualistic religious praying. Talk about communing with God. I'm, I'm talking about getting into that thing and, and, and to learn, learn how to walk with Him. Have you ever spent time with a person who is a very engage, <coughs> engaging conversationalist? I'm not talking about somebody that talks a lot. I'm talking about somebody that's a very engaging conversationalist. That they've traveled, they've worked among many cultures. And... First of all, they inspire a need in you to know. There's just something about it. They, they've touched something you haven't touched. And, and they encourage, you know, there's something about the way they, the way they express themselves that encourages questions. And, and they give you challenging answers when you, when you question something. And they provoke in you different thinking. And, and your mind is just moving, moving, moving. And that's a very weak illustration of our Father. He's been exposed to some cultures. He, he's done some traveling. Matter of fact, he's present there as well as here. And if you will engage him, he's very interesting. He, it's, it's an adventure. It's not, it's not something you have to do. And I'm telling you, the wind began to blow all the way back in the Garden of Eden. It picked up speed in the upper room, and it's still blowing today. And if you're not blowing with it, the wind is movement. And here's the thing, I, I apply it to, well, I'll go ahead and apply it to wind. I take a breath, and I can never breathe that air again because of movement. And I'm telling you, if you think you're going to go back to Azusa Street and breathe in that move of God, it's all over and done with. He's gone from there. I've seen the pictures, and it don't look like he's there anywhere. <laughs> Matter of fact, I think there's some kind of complex built there now. But the truth is that this breath that I take is a breath in God, and I'm in the Spirit. I'm going to have to keep moving. I'm going to keep breathing in God because He's on the move. He's on the move. He's on the move. He's on the move. And I've looked. I, I've really looked. Really, really looked. I can't find anywhere in here that I can quit. I've found days when I wanted to, but I can't find it backed up by Scripture. 
You know, there's something can flow forth from you that people senses. And I would say to you that it will one way or the other. If you give yourself to the communication of this world and to those pressures, people will feel that pressure, that current from you, that worldly thing. But if you give yourself to God and you learn what it is to walk in Him and be in Him and to say, as Paul says, in Him I live and move and have my being, if you begin to learn what that says, then there will be something that flows forth from you that touches and changes people. Now, I've told you before, I'll say it again, it won't always be positive because some people will love you, some people will hate you, but nobody will be neutral because there's something flowing from you. There's something impactive happening. Mark chapter 11, verses 22 through 24. So Jesus answered and said to them, have faith in God. Now, in the original language, that could just as well be stated, have faith of God. It's either or. Maybe it's both. Maybe if you have the faith of God working in you, maybe you have faith in God. But either way, it works. For assuredly, I say to you, whoever says to this mountain, be removed and be cast into the sea, and does not doubt in his heart, but believes those things that he says will be done, he'll have whatever he says. Now here's where I want to emphasize. Therefore I say to you, whatever things you ask when you pray, believe that you receive them and you'll have them. Not whatever things that you ask when you're going through the list. Not whatever things you ask that you can quote scripture to put around. But whatever things you ask when you're communicating effectively with God, you'll have them. Why? Because what you desire will be of the one who has the power, of the one who has the authority, of the one who has the ability, of the one who has the want to, to make it happen. When you pray, that repetition goes away because you're communicating with Father. Now, I want you to pull your thoughts to reality now for a minute. You do want Christ. You hear me? You wouldn't be here if you didn't. No, you're not here because somebody invited you. You're not here because somebody pressured you to come. You're here because somewhere in you there was a call in your spirit to be here. Because in this place, there's always been a place of meeting in the Scripture. Those people that would tell you you don't need a place of meeting, they better get back in the Scripture because there's always a place of meeting in the Scripture. You're here because you wanted this meeting. You're here for that. And I would ask you to come back to the simplicity of devotion to Him. Most of the trouble that's in your mind comes from the pressures of the world and your response to that pressure. Matter of fact, I would say to you, all of it does. There are things on my heart, my goodness, our, our children are on my heart. I carry them every day, but that's not a hard thing for me. It's not a heavy burden. It's light and easy because I'm giving it to Him. And slowly but surely, we're seeing things begin to happen in these kids' lives. It's things that tells me that God is at work. So if you're having unrest, strife, all of that stuff, I'm telling you it's coming out of the world system. It's not coming out of God. Because His kingdom is right relationships, joy, and peace. That's His kingdom.
And that can be alive in you no matter what you're facing. But you have to come back to the simplicity. God would like to fire activities or ideas, creativity in your mind. And He can't do that if you're fellowshipping with thoughts of failure. Oh God, what's going to happen with my children? What about, oh God, you have determined what's going to happen with my children. And I'm going to thank you for that. Lord, I can't fix what I've done wrong in the past. That's up to you. But Lord, you've given me some promises and I'm staying with that. And you begin to open up your mind to what you can actually do to reach them and to affect them. God, I want you to bring my husband into closer relationship with you. Because God, he's out there doing all this stuff. No, God don't want to know about that. He knows. God, you've promised me. God, I've, I sense it inside. I'm, I'm living in that, that you're working previous. Lord, he has the capacity to be a loving and a faithful man. And God, I thank you that you're working in that loving kindness and that faithfulness that's in him. I thank you that you're causing all this unrest in his life. You're in there kicking down walls and, and making him miserable while you're getting your way in him. But you're doing it. Why? Because I prayed and I believed and I know that I'll have what I pray. Why? Because He put it in my heart. He put the desire. It's of the sire. That's in me. Hey, that changes everything, don't it? Those things that are making you miserable and making you, the people around you miserable, that's not of the sire. That's, that's of something else. I'm telling you, we have only one sire, only one Lord of it all. And He put it in there. And I'm, yeah, He'll make you miserable. Why? Because He takes you at your word and you ask Him to help you. And sometimes helping you is kicking those walls inside of you down. And you can rebuke the devil. You can do all you want to do. But he's going to keep kicking until he gets them broke down. And you'll begin to do something different with your life and with your prayer life. Now, I've mentioned it earlier about his thoughts not being your thoughts and his ways not your ways. And this morning... God began to touch me with this. Chelsea and I had had a conversation last night about some of these things, these diseases that some of our young people have that they've got big names on them now and we have expectations because of those names and we have these capital letters that represent those names and, and we just, you know, this nothing can be done but God, this has to help us in it. Come on now. Something can be done. Something can be done. We can pray. And I'm telling you, if they're not fully expressing the life of God, then they're not, He's not done with them or you yet. When you, think, when you look at your children and think, oh, they have this A, B, C, D, E, F, G, whatever. And you think, oh my, I've read all the reports. Come on, the report is that they can be healed and that He is the healer. And if He lives in you and He lives in them, then He lives there as the healer. And that's the report. Who will, who will believe the report of the Lord? And you begin, you go, well, I prayed that for two weeks and I didn't see it happen. Wow. I've been guilty there, haven't you? I want that microwave miracle. But he said that one of the manifestations of the Spirit is that we become not receivers of miracles, but workers of miracles. The working of miracles. And there's some work involved sometimes to see the miracle come forth. And I just, 
I just heard a report about a week or so ago of a major, major thing that happened in a service where every, and there were several, every Down syndrome child in that place was totally healed. I want that. I want that. You say, well, the doctor, I don't care. The doctors are practicing, haven't they told you? (laughs) They don't have it down yet. They're practicing. Some of us are struggling with some things this morning, and I want to, I'm only this name some things. Some of us are struggling with what might be wrong in our families and our children, and we so want it. We want to know what God says on it. Some of us have been struggling with, with uh, uh, these addictions. Some, uh, I, I hate to call it that, but I don't know another way to say it. But some with some of the food addiction, some with the nicotine addiction, some with the porno- pornographic addiction, and on and on it goes. And some might even be uh, drug addiction. I, I guess it might all be. But anyway... We've been struggling with it, and, and that's where, that, that's where our, our mental real estate goes, is, is saying, well, if I, can, if I can just get God to fix this, then I can serve Him. What if God's already in the process of fixing that, and we just need to acknowledge that there's a wind blowing inside of us, and it's going to set us free. And when that thing begins to rise up in you, and you think, well, I've got to wrestle with this, that you don't wrestle with it. That instead you pull that thought into captivity and you begin to think of what you know about Christ and all of a sudden you begin to realize that that need is not in you any longer. What if that could happen? I'm not going to ask anybody to stand up because I don't want to embarrass anybody. God's not in that business. But I want you to think in your heart, if you've got something that you've been struggling with, I want you to just think about that long enough to identify it and then realize that if you can give it a name, There's a name that is above every name. And at the name of Jesus, that thing can bow. It will bow. If you will begin to put your mental effort into pulling your thoughts back to Him. And if you have that, just think about it briefly and then come back to the fact that Christ wants to help you and He indwells you and He's big enough. He's big enough. You hear me? There's nothing too hard for Him. I was with a young leader recently and he was saying about his city he said this is a hard place and I know it sounded hard to him but I came right back at him and said there is no hard places for God and I'm telling you that's the truth there is no hard places give me the burned over field we'll go in and watch it grow we'll we'll cry out to God in the midst of the wilderness like John the Baptist and watch a move of God happen most of the places I've gone in my life they've said God can't do anything there well he did Not because of me, but because of Him. So in that place, just think about it for just a moment, and now let's go back to Christ. Lord, raise up big and large in them. Help them to see that You delight in them. And that You're already working in that thing. That You're previous to this knowledge. You're previous to this. And You've been working in it. And and You've been drawing them into the expression of You. And help them to go forth from this place knowing that they've been touched by the power of Almighty God. Lord, I declare this morning that, that these things that, that we see over national TV about how drugs are taking over the United States and how there's more addiction than there's ever been and, and how people less people are, are get, getting success in programs than ever before. That's all the order of this world. And God, we stand up and declare that you still deliver. 
And if God, from the inside out, you will deliver them. And we're going to see something in this nation that the world never thought of. Because God, we declare that it's the goodness of God that leads to repentance. And we're praying for the goodness of God. Break out in this world, O oh God. Break out in this world, O oh God. Lord, come out and let us be who we are to be. It's your goodness. God, your goodness in deliverance, your goodness in salvation, your goodness in mercy and grace. God, we believe that we're going to see a fire of the goodness of God race through this nation. Lord, we just invite you to be God in our lives. And Lord, we ask it in the name of Jesus. Amen.